It is such an amazing privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning. I'm Ben Zing. I'm the pastor of evangelism and community here at Central. And at Central, we seek the transformation of our lives, our community, and the world through the renewing work of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. For the past few weeks, we've been adventuring through the Psalms, specifically in the Songs of Ascent. In those times, Jews would travel to Jerusalem for one of the three main annual festivals, traditionally saying these songs on the ascent or the uphill road to the city. And according to other some traditions, the Jewish priests also sang these songs as they would go up the steps to the temple in Jerusalem. And just to give a geographic picture of Psalm 125, it's in Jerusalem, so that's the place where the temple was, where God's presence dwelled amongst his people. And then picture this, just mountains around Jerusalem as a picture of God's protection. Pete Johnson, our mission director, Randy Mayfield, our past mission director, and myself were able to visit northern Iraq and Jordan last December, uh, really seeing God's work and ministry there. And I just want to first take an opportunity, I really want to give thanks to this church family for really watching over my family and helping, providing, caring for my wife and kids here so that I could be on that trip. But while we were in Jordan, the terrain is one that really struck me, and it really just hit me as I was looking out. Pete Johnson and I literally were at the Dead Sea, and we have an elevation of zero, and we see the mountains that are surrounding us. And we have a picture of just the different terrain. We went to the Jordan River, and we could see right across the border into Israel, and we're surrounded by mountains, and the terrain was so hilly. Small patches of green were seen where shepherds would maneuver their sheep, but overall it was just rocky. So houses and buildings were built right on the mountainside and hills that were around us. And the landscape then is just this mountainous, rocky terrain. So here we are in this context of this passage again. As one moves towards Jerusalem, you would be walking uphill towards Jerusalem which is, again, surrounded by mountains. And so here the psalmist says that the, like, the mountains surround the city, so the Lord surrounds his people. So let's get into Psalm 125, if you would turn with me. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. The Lord teaches us the humble his way. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. So he surrounds his people. Picture your life right now this way, no matter what you're walking through. Picture your life today surrounded by the peace, protection, provision, presence, and the promises of God. I could go on with a lot more peace, but all these things from God that are surrounding you right now I hope that you're feeling God's presence. Right now in the surrounding presence of God, you can find rest. You can find confidence. 
You can find joy. You can find security in this reality. Many that have come to worship with us this morning needed to hear that. With all that life is bringing us, we need the reminder of God's surrounding presence in each of our lives. That surrounding presence is like everlasting arms that are embracing us and securing us. And this allows us to see the truth from this passage this morning. So again, in verse 1, we see that it's a calling to trust in the Lord. The psalmist encouraged us to trust in the Lord who surrounds his people like the mountains surround Jerusalem. This trust is in God's protection and care is the foundation of our faith and gives us the courage to face the challenges of life. It declares that we are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved and will abide forever. This might be hard for some of us to grasp, though, because it seems like we are moved by so many things. All the time, our jobs, the weather, our finances, our weight and health, the stock market, politics, social media, our kids or our parents, our roommates, our spouse, a romantic relationship, or lack of, therefore of. The list continues on how this reaches each of us. But consider that this declaration was said for the people of Israel. This promise that we can hold on to the surrounding arms of God around us. Israel was not the most consistent bunch of people by any stretch of the imagination. One day they were rejoicing, singing songs of victory at the deliverance from Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea. And the next day, they're griping about God's lack of care or provision of water. Then you have one day that they're praising God for being their everything. And the very next day, they're worshiping an idol that they made with their very own hands. Israel's history is one that is so up and down. But here's the amazing thing that God shares with his people. God is steadfastly with them in mercy and judgment, but firmly gracious. He is the faithful one. What shines through the inconsistency and the ups and downs of Israel's history is God's unfailing commitment to redeem his people, to fulfill his good promises to them and to the world. Israel's history, as much as we don't want to admit it, is just like ours. Our lack of faithfulness to God and the ups and downs that we find with him is matched with his faithfulness to us. He again reminds us constantly that he is surrounding us with his everlasting arms. You see, sometimes we might feel as though we are rock solid and that the Lord is with us, and then the next day we feel the exact opposite. But our feelings are important, but they can't tell us many things. They can tell us many things about ourselves but our feelings cannot tell us anything about our full relationship with Christ. Whether we are up or down, whether we feel like we are saved or not, does not change the fact that God's presence surrounds us and Jesus gives us life. My security comes from who God is. It comes through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, not how I feel. I was meeting with a gentleman that has been working with our clergy mentor bond program that Ted Winters, the chaplain of the county jail here, has started. 
We have men that come out of St. Louis County Jail on a pre-release trial program where we are helping mentor men to grow in their walks with Christ to be able to fully reintegrate into society and be men that God has called them to be. One man in particular seems like his mood and participation in our discussions are all based on if there are good things he feels God is doing in his life. If things are working out, he's willing to meet, talk, and pray. Through weeks of working with him, he has truly grown to see that God is there with him through the ups and downs, and he can truly be honest and open with the good and bad circumstances of life. But the constant is God, God's love for him, and God's journey with him, and the ways that we want him to see that no matter what happens in his life, no matter what circumstances are going on, no matter how he's feeling, God's presence is surrounding him. And as I'm sharing that message with him, and I know that others uh, that are also teachers and mentors of this program, we share this message with him and others in the program. It becomes a mirror for us as we tell him to trust in the promises of God, no matter what life circumstances bring, am I trusting in the same way? When life is bringing good and bad things, when I feel like I'm doing wonderful with God and the next day I'm feeling that I'm struggling with sin, do I still know that I'm surrounded with God's everlasting arms and know that I can trust in my Savior Jesus? This is the message for all of us. As we share it with others and we point others to Christ, it's a very true promise and reality for each one of us here. I cannot affirm enough how loved and secure we are in God. Those who trust in the Lord, who rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ by faith, cannot ultimately be moved. Whenever we find ourselves facing trials or challenges or just things that happen in life, it is so important to remind ourselves that our stability, our security, our foundation never changes. God will persevere his people for his kingdom and for his purposes. That leads us into verse 2, where he shares with us, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. There is a protection here in verse 2. Just picture myself surrounded by mountains and to think that in a much, much greater way is the reality for me every day with God's peace and God's protection and God's provision. Last week, Clay shared from Psalm 121 how each of us can find purpose in our unique ways that God has created us and that God's people need to find unity and togetherness in that. He encouraged all of us to, to continue to find our shape Pastor Charles and myself have been working diligently on helping all our, every member of our church understand their shape, which is their spiritual gifts, their heart passions, their abilities, their personality, and their experiences. Recognizing those things about ourselves, know how we are shaped by God, we can find our full identity in Him and then how we're called to be used by Him in that way. If you have any more questions, Pastor Charles and I would love to talk more to you about what that looks like in finding your shape. But Clay, last year, Pastor Clay, shared with us that all the ways that we want to find unity in the Spirit, all the ways that God has designed us to fit together in that way, if we allow God to do that, what's going to happen is internally there's going to be this 
pull and struggle against being together because there's strife and there's desire for division that comes from the evil one as well as our fall. The internal struggles that we have, we need to give that over to God and find, again, God using us in mighty ways and and fitting us together when we release ourselves and know that God is with us and, and we're following him. But in the context of this passage, we're seeing that God's promise here is for us to know that he surrounds us like mountain to protect us from the external attacks and pressures from this world. And how much we need to hear that message as the evil one wants to continue to attack God's people. The world wants to continue to dilute God's word and his truth and his importance in life. God shared this promise with Israel and he's sharing it with us now that we will be with, he will be with us from this time forth and forevermore. With that, the church always needs to remember how we come before an amazingly holy God and that we need to take sin seriously. There's so many aspects of, again, that we want to point ourselves to God and we see that the, what, what God, what's happening in the world that is around us and we want to make sure that we hold on to God's truth and who he desires us to be. And he says, as we follow him in that way, he will guide us, he will protect us. But we, again, cannot be ones that don't understand what that looks like to be in this world, but not of the world. To say that the world is one that is strife with sin, is one that we're called to be out there, not away from it. And we'll go further into that later on in the sermon. But as we think about how we take sin seriously, verse 3 gives a good pointer on what we need to be doing as God's people. God is telling us that he will protect us from wickedness. The scepter is someone in leadership that God is saying a wicked leader will eventually become disclosed and not last among his people. Verse 3 says again, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. So people will follow a wicked leader, unfortunately, and do wrong as well. And God said that can last for X amount of time, but eventually that will be disclosed and that person will not last in God's family and people. And this truly seems to be something important, that the traits we look for in leaders is no longer leadership skills and great abilities, But truly, what is the most important is godly character. Skills and abilities that come out of a leader, out of godly character, are used powerfully to build God's kingdom and will continue to last and sustain. So again, as we are in a season, I'm so thankful to serve with Pastor Clay and the elders here and the other leaders of our church. As this emphasis is there on godly character needs to drive all the other aspects of who we are and how we serve and are uniquely built to build his kingdom but it's driven out of that character and are we the most skilled some of us would say we're all really great but for the most part we know who we are we know that what's more important is the godly character and that god can drive all the aspects of what he wants to do through that godly character So we need to drive out that wickedness. We need to drive out when we see what God is saying, that those that are filled with things that are of the world, those will eventually be disclosed. But again, the beauty of what Clay continues to do each Sunday morning is to reveal to us that none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. 
but each one of us is relying on God and relying that Jesus can wash us clean and transform us by his power. And the open and the transparency and the vulnerability from this pulpit hopefully shows you that the leaders here desire so much to be driven by God and who he is and our reliance on Jesus. That not one of us here is perfect, but we are found perfect by what Jesus has done in our lives and how we point people to him. And that leads to verse 4 and 5 where it reminds us to lift our hearts to God in prayer, that we are asking for blessing and favor from God as we stay in relationship with him, but then also to bring justice to those that do evil. The prayer aims that to God we aim all these prayers. We leave it in his capable and mighty hands. When we trust the sovereignty of God in this way, we pray for peace. The psalm gives us the language to pray. This is from Eugene Peterson. He says this, Our habit is to talk about God, not to him. We love discussing God. The Psalms resist these discussions. They're not provided to teach us about God, but to train us in responding to him. We don't learn the Psalms until we are praying them. We have the opportunity to pray the Psalms. No longer just to think about, I know God and I know these great things about what the Bible says. But the Psalms is teaching us how to connect with our Creator and have a relationship that's authentic and real in lamenting, in giving thanks, in finding full confidence, in finding assurance. The Psalms lead us in that kind of prayer. Yesterday, a few from Central took the opportunity to join with 53 other churches in St. Louis to pray for the Lou. The idea was to prayer walk around our neighborhood that we would see how God can use us in loving him and loving our neighbors around us. The team walked and prayed for the condos next door and for the Clarendale. We prayed for our neighborhood behind us. We prayed for the Central Christian School and the neighborhood around the school that we would desire that we would know God and his working power. And we prayed for this church. We prayed that we would be connected with our Savior and our God that would bring revival. He'd bring the Holy Spirit that truly lead us to live by God's truth and to ask God to reveal himself to this community around us through this loving church. So let's continue to pray the Psalms together. Join us in connecting with the Psalms, not just as a good poetry or a good word, but something that draws us into a relationship with our Father. With that, we think through this passage, and we think about God's promises to us. And again, this passage is aimed at thinking about the surrounding presence of God that protects us. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I was struck deeply by thinking about, what about those outside the mountains? How do they take that word surrounding? How would they think about God's people, and how would they think about God in this promise? And here in this passage, we have to realize that the symbol here is protection, but it never said isolation. This passage doesn't talk about leaving people out in the cold. The psalm would be a promise for God's people to know that he is with us, sustaining us and guiding us, especially out of exile back into Jerusalem. But we're actually called to invite people in the surrounding arms of God. We, of course, are encouraged through God's word to be in the world, but not of the world. 
But again, that symbol that we were using in verse 1, that we would be like Mount Zion. Mount Zion would be the highest point in Jerusalem. It was the place that they could look out and see the image bearing of God that was a light to the rest. We are to be that Mount Zion, that city on the hill that shines light to the rest, that welcomes people in. It's a beacon to the world to know that you can find hope in the loving surrounding arms of God. We are on the city on that hill. We are set apart. We look different. We point people to Christ that reflect out of our lives. With that, we pray that God would transform the minds of those that are outside the mountain to see the invitation in. But I find that we, as we approach Easter, we have a great opportunity to share this. We all have the opportunities to give hope to our families, our neighbors, And I mean our literal neighbors. Go to your neighbor next door and share this hope. To our co-workers, our classmates, our community, we have a message of hope for this world, and we need to point people to the hope that they can find in Jesus. I was recently leading a devotional for the Central Christian School Board, and I shared this. When you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you're slamming the door in the face of God. Hopelessness connotes futility and giving up. Hope, on the other hand, connotes believing or anticipating something better. Hope is forward-looking. One must keep the faith, that is, keep believing that there is a path to healing, that there is one who can restore us to right thinking and acting. That someone is Jesus Christ. This is not just believing about Jesus nor mentally agreeing that he lived, This belief requires a serious consideration of who Jesus is, who and what we are in light of his holiness, and accepting by faith that he is the only way to an eternal life with God. There's an acrostic about that with the word hope, and it means this, H. H is the higher power, which is Jesus Christ. The O is the openness to change. P is the power to change. And E is the expectation to change. If we point people to that hope, they can find the transforming work of Jesus in their lives because we look to the higher power to do it. The hope that we find in Jesus, the openness that we need to have to him and the work that he's going to do, the power that comes from Jesus to do that work, and then the expectation that it's going to happen because Jesus can do it. Jesus can make that change out of our lives. And we need to point people to that hope. Starting March 22nd, Wednesday nights, we'll be starting something called Hope Explorers here at Central. I want you to think of someone you want to invite to come explore hope. You'll see these flyers outside the welcome tables or right outside the sanctuary. Take one of these. Pray about somebody that God's putting on your heart to invite to explore hope. Come with them. Join them in inviting them here. You or your friend or your neighbor can register And what it is, it's three weeks where we will invite Hope Explorer looking at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in Luke's gospel. This three-session series shows that Christianity is about real hope, a joyful expectation for the future based on true events in the past, which changes everything about my present. If you can't join us for this Hope Explorer, I pray that you would allow God to lead you to share with someone he has been putting on your heart. 
I pray that each of us would invite someone into hope this Easter season by being good news, by showing love. Inviting someone to Easter week here at Central, beginning with our Lenten concert that will be right here in the sanctuary. We'll also have stations of the cross inside and outside the church that people can experience can experience art on our sidewalks or experience the stations inside our student center. And that full week of Easter, we'll have full services that, again, are easy for you to invite someone that wants to explore hope. So please join us. Join us in inviting people into the everlasting surrounding arms of God. Lastly, we do have the opportunity to be hope for people as we will be using our Equip You. This this Wednesday, we'll have another service project night. This week, uh, we will be packing Easter dinner baskets or bags for people uh, at Sunshine Ministry, which is a homeless ministry down in the city. So if you join us, dinner will be at 5.30, but packing these sacks will be at 6.30. Then next Sunday, if you want to join us, March 19th, We'll be delivering those sunshine sacks to the ministry, as well as taking a tour of the facility, and you can meet some of the families down there that they're ministering to. So if you want to sign up for that, please come talk to me or visit uh, kind of uh, the website, and you can get more information. And we'll love to have you join our sunshine ministry tour next week. But we're wanting to give hope to those in our city to give a glimpse of what it looks like to know God and to understand those everlasting arms. They're not pushing people away, but inviting people in. And that's where we close this morning. We here at Central, we are so thankful that God gives us the opportunity to worship him and love him and know him deeper. He surrounds us with his everlasting arms that protects, provides, and continues to give us power and promises but he's calling us as his people to invite people into that hope. So pray, pray this week, pray this month on who God's putting on your heart to invite into the everlasting arms of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for just you. Thank you for your promises that you surround us like the mountains surround Jerusalem. Thank you for that promise that we can take that in such a loving way. But Father, we pray for those outside the mountain. Would you invite them into your everlasting arms and would you use us as instruments of light and of bearing your image that you would teach us how to be humble and loving and that it would invite people into your presence. We thank you again for this opportunity and we thank you for the ways that you love us and watch over us. Now help us to be blessed, to be a blessing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.